Okay, if you have Bibles with you, please open up to Matthew chapter 20. I hear you, Barry, right? It's easy to be a grandfather than it is to be a dad, right? I remember my kids were little. We went to go visit my father, and he said this to my children. He said, let's go for a walk to the park so I could buy you ice cream. And I said, time out. Who are you? Because I don't know you. <laughs> my father never used the words walk, park, buy, or ice cream ever in the same sentence before. I don't know if I want to leave you with my children. <laughs> it is, oh boy, we're looking forward to that day. In God's time. We may have to get a puppy soon, baby, just to kind of hold us off, you know. Matthew chapter 20. I've been taking a, a closer look at mercy. We, I've been doing this series of messages on mercy. We took a little break for Easter last Sunday and did a, an Easter-themed message. But I'm back on the, on the uh, topic of mercy. Have you noticed that I like to preach topical series? I'll find a topic and just keep mining it for all that I can find until I run out of it, and then we'll go to another topic. So I know I have at least uh, this week on mercy, and then we'll have our guest speakers next week, and I'll do another message on mercy, and then I'll probably find another topic um, after that. So mercy. Uh, I believe that we're in the midst of a changing of spiritual seasons, and that we're entering into what Arthur Burke calls the mercy season. And so I've been inspired by that to, if that's true, and my heart tells me that it's true, that we should, it would help us to have a better understanding of mercy. So I've been taking a closer look at the scriptures. We looked at the seven redemptive gifts of the Spirit in Romans 12, including the seventh of those seven gifts on mercy. We looked at the fifth beatitude, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, from Matthew 5. We looked at Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. And we looked at some statements that Jesus made concerning mercy. Twice in, in Matthew, he says this to the scribes and Pharisees. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Matter of fact, he precedes it by telling them, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but if Jesus says in his book, go and learn what this means, probably a good idea if I spent some time to go and learn what it means. And so we've been doing that. In Matthew 9, Jesus says, go and learn what this means. And in Matthew 12, he, he uses the same statement when communicating to the scribes and Pharisees again. He says, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So he was... He had conflict with these guys. He had conflict with the religious professionals of his day. Um, you know, he was breaking their rules. They had, they had religious traditions, religious rules that they followed, and Jesus wasn't playing by their rules. He was, he was hanging out with sinners. He was working on the Sabbath. He was healing the sick, horror of horrors. You know, he's healing the sick on the Sabbath, and they're giving him a hard time about it. Could you imagine? <laughs> he's healing the sick, and they're giving him a hard time because he didn't do it on the right day of the week. And somebody with power to heal the sick, they can come and do it here anytime they want to. Matter of fact, I'll go to their house. So twice in confrontation with the Pharisees, Jesus quotes the prophet Hosea. This is where he gets the phrase, I desire mercy, not sacrifices, from Hosea 6.6. 6. Jesus is quoting an Old Testament prophet. 
saying that he desired mercy. Such a powerful term, not sacrifice. That relationships trump rituals. That's what Jesus was saying. That, that people trump the law. And so last time we took a closer look at the, at the prophet, at Hosea himself. If Jesus is quoting him, what's his story? And this is what we found. Hosea's life, not only was he a prophet who spoke prophetic words, his life was a prophetic message. The very life he lived was telling a story of God's heart toward his people. It was a prophetic message of mercy over sacrifice. As the uh, paraphrase, the message says, this is what God told Hosea. Find a whore and marry her. So he marries Goma. And she is continually unfaithful to him. Her adulterous life leads her into prostitution. And then when she loses her looks and can no longer make a living as a prostitute, she's sold into slavery. All the while, Hosea loves her, and he provides for her, even in her unfaithfulness. Read the book of Hosea, powerful story. And so when her looks are gone, and, she, and her lovers no longer want her, her, her customers no longer wanted her, she's sold as a slave, and God tells Hosea to go and purchase her out of slavery. This is the woman he married, because God said to. She lives this horribly unfaithful, painful life, and Hosea continually loves her through it. And then when she's a slave, God says, go and purchase her out of slavery. Not that she would be your slave now, but that she would be your wife again. Amazing. Amazing example of incredible love that Hosea had for this painfully difficult woman. Now, under the law, under sacrificial law, Hosea had every right to have her stoned to death for her behavior. But God's heart toward his people is what he was trying to communicate to, through this prophet. He said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I desire mercy instead of stoning her to death. What's mercy? Now, I've told you that grace is when we get what we don't deserve, right? Somebody extends grace to us. Salvation is what we don't deserve. That's grace. Mercy is when we don't get what we do deserve. In in, uh, Gomer's case, being stoned to death. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. This is what Jesus says to the religious professionals, quoting Hosea. They would understand what he meant, or they should have. And I hope that we do. So wherever you're at today, be encouraged. God's heart toward you, no matter what your circumstances are, is mercy. So today I want to glean some additional distinctives of mercy from Jesus' encounter with two blind men in Matthew 20. So if, you, um, if you're still following along, I'm going to begin at verse 29. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked them. They told them, be quiet. But they shouted all the more, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do, he asked. Lord, they said, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and followed him. Whew. It's a powerful text. Lord, I thank you for your word. 
for the truth that's in your word. Would you, would you touch our eyes this morning? Would you open our spiritual eyes so that we could see, so that we could see you for who you are, that we could see ourselves as you see us? Open our eyes, Lord. Matthew's gospel is a wonderful study in mercy. If you're a person who likes to do study in the scripture, I encourage you to, to look uh, through Matthew's gospel and just do a study on the word mercy. Every time mercy is mentioned, just amazing. Nine separate events, Jesus addresses mercy. It would be a great personal study for those of you who enjoy it. So this is one thing I've discovered, and it's just startling to me. Jesus never denied, Jesus never denied a request for mercy in the Bible. Anyone who came to him requesting mercy, they received mercy. That encourages me. Because when do I need mercy? I don't need mercy on my best day, right? I need mercy on my worst day. Jesus never denied a request for mercy. That's interesting. So what can we learn of mercy from this Matthew 20 encounter? Well, first of all, that Jesus is the personification of mercy. That he is the highest and most perfect expression of all the spiritual gifts, including the seven redemptive gifts from Romans 12, and that seventh gift, mercy. We, we can learn about mercy this, that mercy responds not to the most likely, but to the least likely. Mark's gospel tells us that the, well, you know, these two guys were beggars. We see that in, in Matthew. Mark's gospel gives the name Bartimaeus to one of them. And the name Bartimaeus means son of the highly prized. Both Mark and Luke's gospels tell the same story that we see here in Matthew. And they refer to these guys as beggars. And beggars, as beggars, it's most likely that they were also, also homeless. I remember years ago, I used to work at the Empire State Building as a plumber. Amazing place, just an incredible place to work. One of the most favorite jobs I ever had. Um, and, but I would take the Long Island Railroad from my house in Queens Village to Penn Station and walk a few blocks uh, from Penn Station to the Empire State Building. Well, every day, uh, thousands of people would, would just shuffle through uh, the train station. There would be homeless people sleeping on the steps or just off to the side. Many times ha we'd have to step over them to get out of the place, to actually get out of the, out of the subway station. <clears throat> Most people were annoyed. They were just a hindrance. Their, their appearance was unseemly. They smelt badly. I could just imagine that, that it's not that much of a difference for these two blind beggars here in, in Matthew 20, right? If you're a blind, homeless beggar, life's not good for you. You're probably not looking so good. You're probably not smelling so good. Yet on this day, mercy responds to these two most unlikely people. Mercy responds to the socially inappropriate people. They weren't doing what was dignified or what was expected. Or what was, they weren't playing according to the social norms, right? They... These two blind beggars, they didn't care what other people thought of them. They probably lived under scorn and ridicule their whole lives. They were desperate. And in living in these horrific conditions, in this desperate situation, there's a glimmer of hope. Somehow they heard about Jesus. Somebody walking by told a story about this, 
this itinerant who'd come through town and the amazing things he'd say and do. And they had to be wondering, maybe, just maybe, there's something in this for me. These two blind men, they were desperate for Jesus. They wouldn't be embarrassed. They wouldn't shut up. They knew who Jesus was. They referred to him as the son of David, which, which was a messianic title. That's a pretty cool title. And they wanted him. They interrupted the parade. They were messy. These blind beggars didn't have much class, but they did have persistence, and they had determination. What else can we learn? Mercy responds to passion. Mercy responds to the passionate. They shouted all the louder. This wasn't a polite, oh, excuse me, excuse me, Jesus, Jesus, can I have your attention, please? Pardon me, pardon me. I'd like to get I'd like to speak to the son of David over there. Excuse me. No, that's not what the text says. It says they shouted, and when they were they were told to shut up, they shouted even more. It was like, hey, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He interrupted the whole parade. Enough to stop Jesus. Could you imagine the crowd that's around him? They did whatever it took to get his attention, and they got mercy's attention that day. These blind men knew what they needed from Jesus. They needed mercy. They didn't need they didn't need help. They didn't need um, resources. They needed to be rescued. They needed Jesus to show up and actually pluck them out of their circumstances. I'm blind. I'm a beggar. I'm homeless. I have nothing to offer you. I'm in desperate need. And mercy responded to that passionate, desperate need. They didn't come thinking God owed them anything. All they wanted was mercy. It wasn't like I come before you and I have a right to this. I've deserved this. I've earned this. Nothing. I have nothing to offer. And I'm asking for everything. And that's how I feel most of the time when I come before him. He just cries for mercy. Matthew eleven twelve, Jesus says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. The Amplified says it this way, The kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault, and violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. Boy, I like those words. I like ardent zeal and intense exertion. That's a description, that's a really good description of the passion that these blind beggars are displaying here in Matthew chapter 20. Their share of the heavenly kingdom was healing, and they sought it with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. It was a passion that would not be ignored, and mercy responded to it. In John 2.16, the disciples quote the Psalms. They quote Psalm 69.9, describing Jesus. And this is how they describe Jesus. They said, zeal for your house will consume me. And the word zeal there is the word kana. It's the same word translated jealousy in a famous, from Songs of Solomon 8.6. And we sing it in a, mercy, in, a, in a worship song by Misty Edwards. 
Let me say all that again. I'm so excited. I'm tripping over my own words. I love zeal. I love zeal and I love passion. Really hardcore value for me. It's part of what I love when I see the kids on a Sunday morning completely uninhibited. I love the passion in them. I want to see that passion in us as grown-ups. Wouldn't that be a fun scene on a Sunday morning? What if we all dance around on Sunday uninhibited? <laughs> that would be so cool. We're too proper, you know? Zeal for your house will consume me. That word zeal, kana in Hebrew. It's translated sometimes zeal or jealousy. We get that from Song of Solomon 8.6. We sing it in worship. Mercy Edward's song, uh, You Won't Relent. Where it says, I have set you as a seal upon my heart. As a seal upon my arm. For there is love that is strong as death. Jealousy, kana, as demanding as the grave. Many waters cannot quench this love. That's passion. That's a fiery passion. Solomon describes and Misty Edwards sings of God's kana. God's strong, jealous, unquenchable, passionate love. Strong's Concordance takes that word zeal, kana, and defines it this way. That it's passionate that it's jealous, that it's a zealous love. They describe it as the love that men have for God, that men have for the house of God, and that God has for his people. It's part of the reason why I have it tattooed right here on my arm. That's, the, that's what it looks like in Hebrew. That's kana. it's passion. I have two great personal values, passion and freedom. This one is freedom, this one's passion. Freedom is in blue because the color blue, to me, represents revelation. And it's the revelation of truth that sets people free. Passion is in red. Because red, for me, represents wisdom. And passion, don't we know, needs to be tempered with wisdom. It's part of the benefits of being in my 50s. Is not only do I have passion, I've made enough mistakes that I've gained a little bit of wisdom, too. But that's the word cannot. Could it be? Back to Matthew 20. Could it be that the Cana in Jesus resonated with the Cana in these blind beggars so that he who is mercy personified was moved to compassion? And as a result, those who were blind could not see. That's what I think it was. I think it was Jesus' Cana and these blind beggars' Cana connected somehow. And as a result, the kingdom of God was demonstrated. It was demonstrated in mercy. Jesus was doing, when he, when he gave sight back to these two guys, he was doing exactly what he said he'd do. When he started his, his ministry, his first public um, ministry inside the synagogue, they give him the scroll. He's going to read a text like every pastor does on Sunday morning. You know, he reads a text. And Jesus takes the scroll, opens it up. It's Isaiah 61. This is Jesus' mission statement. This is what he came to do. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus was just doing what he said he came to do. In Matthew 20, 34, he does it for these passionate blind beggars. 
Mercy is manifested in many different ways. As a redeeming love, like we've seen in the story with Hosea. And as healing, as we see in today's encounter with the two blind men. As compassion. Scripture says that Jesus was moved to compassion. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately they received their sight. There was a cry for mercy and compassion responded to it. Hmm. Other ways, uh, again, this is from Matthew's Gospel. Matthew 20, we see blind men healed in mercy, because of mercy. We see freedom in Matthew 15, a Canaanite woman. Again, it says, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed. Jesus had compassion on her, set the daughter free. Freedom is one of the benefits of compassion, of, uh, of mercy. Again, in Matthew 17, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He falls into the fire and into the water. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy. He was healed at that moment. There was freedom as a result of a cry for mercy. There's forgiveness. In Matthew 18, do a study on Matthew and mercy. The parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18, it ends at verses 32 to 35. It says, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? Could it be? Could it be? I'm hoping that in a mercy season, what we'll see alive and active in the church, at least in this church, that the least likely, the most inappropriate, the most passionate, that these people will be responded to, <laughs> that they'll be recognized, and that they'll be restored. I think that's the activity of mercy. So let's pray. Lord, have mercy on us. Father, we come before you this morning in Jesus' name. And we ask you for mercy. Lord, I am struck by the reality that you never denied a request for mercy in the scriptures. So, Lord, we come before you today and we ask you for mercy. Lord, as individuals, as each individual man and woman in this room, we ask that you would have mercy on us. Lord, I ask that you would open our blind eyes and that you would you heal our broken hearts and that you'd set us free. The things that you said you'd do, do it, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'd have mercy on our marriages, that you'd have mercy on our children, oh God. Lord, we ask you for mercy on Prince Edward Island and, and specifically right here in Charlottetown. Lord, have mercy. We ask you to come in, enter in to this, to this place and activate mercy in our midst. Lord, don't give us what we deserve. Don't give us what we deserve. Give us mercy instead. Lord, we ask for your presence and your power. We ask for your blessings and your favor. Lord, would you come and in your mercy, would you take all the things that are out of right order and put them in right order? Put them in the order that would be the most life-giving 
and liberating for us. We do, Lord. We ask you to come and do God-sized things. Do the things that only you could do. There are things we need done in our lives, and we're powerless to do them. We're like those blind beggars, Lord. We have, we have no resources to take our lack of sight and turn it into sight, but, but you're not limited. Would you come into those same desperate circumstances in our lives and do the things that only you could do? Change hearts. Change minds. Change circumstances that appear to be absolutely impossible. Come and be God. Act like God in our midst. Demonstrate your sovereignty, your authority, your majesty, your glory. We invite you to do it. We implore you to do it. We beg you to do it. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Thank you, Lord. So just wait on the Lord for a minute. So I just have a sense there's some in the, in the room that you really have a desperate need for mercy today. That there are some who need healing. Either just physical healing in their bodies or parts of their being that's been broken. Lord, would you release, in your great mercy, would you release healing today? Heal broken hearts. Heal broken bodies. Lord, there are some organs in our bodies today that are not functioning the way that you designed them to. Would you fix those broken organs to heal them so that they would do the thing they're supposed to do? Lord, there are, there are kidneys today that are not operating the way they were designed to operate. Would you heal those kidneys? Would you heal the pancreases, Lord, that are not doing what they're supposed to do? And the lungs, oh God. Bring healing to bodies. Lord, there's need for, for forgiveness there's need for reconciliation. That's, that's beyond us. I know that there are broken relationships where the other side is just not interested. So I don't know how it gets fixed unless you do something. So we pray for those people, Lord. The ones that we have the broken relationship with, the person on the other side. Lord, would you touch them today? Matter of fact, Lord, would you just absolutely consume that person in your love? And that your love would be transforming for them. Lord, have mercy on them. On the one that's offended us and the one that we had to broken relationship. Lord, have mercy on them. <clears throat> Do it, Lord. I don't know. I just got a feeling that there's some here today that maybe you can really identify with the blind beggars. You feel like the least worthy or the least likely. I just want to encourage you today. That mercy, if that's who you are, or at least who you feel you are, mercy is for you. So Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on those who feel like the least qualified, the least worthy, the least likely, the most inappropriate. Have mercy, oh God. Extend great mercy. Lord, I pray that this week, that each person who needs mercy would experience mercy in ways that they recognize that it's you who gave it to them. Do it, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, I love and appreciate you guys. 
Um, again, uh, we got a lot of stuff going on this week. If you'd like to help with the uh, clothing giveaway, there's a table outside. You could sign up for it. Very excited about the spiritual gift workshop. We're going to start this week. It's an eight-week workshop. It's going to be right here. Um, it's absolutely free. Everyone is welcome. And uh, I hope to see you there. You guys have an awesome day.